You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life. We're going into a brand new series called Miracles, and um, if you've been around church at all, you've, you've heard the miracles of Jesus. I mean, you're like, man, Jesus has been doing the same miracles since I was in preschool, Sunday school, right? You know, the flannel board and all that. He's doing the same miracles over and over and over. I know the end of the story. I mean, the ship still sinks, right? Know the end of the story. And what that ends up producing is, we don't have any interest in miracles. It's like, yeah, he does miracles, yeah, and? So, he does miracles. And we just take it right in stride that he did all this stuff. And we just are like, what? And then we sing stuff like God of the Impossible. And do we really mean it? Do we really realize that he is the God of the Impossible? That he wants to do the impossible in our lives and through our lives. He wants us to see modern day miracles. Sure, maybe it won't be like, you know, water to wine sort of thing. But is there something that we can take from water to wine? Is there something we can see God do in our life that's the same thing, but, but, but not the same thing, but the same background? Have you ever asked the story behind the story? With the miracles? Have you ever asked and wondered, what is the story behind the story with the miracles? Like he turned water to wine, big deal. What's the story behind that? And don't you realize that it's more than wine? Don't we realize it's more than wine? It's more than a healing? It's more, it's more than whatever he does that he's trying to tell us and tell the people in that day? And do we really want a miracle or do we just want to sit in church? I mean, we live in suburbia, Bible Belt, America, where going to church produces us making sure that we look good. That we look good. I mean, have you ever wondered, like, I go to the chamber events, and it seems like everybody goes to church. I mean, good grief, they still, they pray at the chamber events, which is cool, but there's enough people that just go to church. Is it a business proposition to go to church? Does it make us look so good that, you know, that it brings us business and makes us look right? And probably, maybe, maybe you didn't go to church. Or you stopped going to church for a time period because of the look good game. You're like, I'm just tired of that. Because guess what? People my age and younger, they won't play the game. They won't play the game. They'll just say, out. I've got something better to do on Sunday morning. Usually sleep in and fight off a hangover. But, did you also know that they're more interested in the supernatural than us old geezers? Why do you think on the same week, ABC and NBC both came out with a paranormal type show? NBC Believe, ABC Resurrection. Why do you think? Everybody's going for the 18 to 35 demographic. And the 18 to 35 demographic is interested in the supernatural. Fascinated with the supernatural. The modern mindset, which is generally the mindset of those my age and older, they want science. If they can't touch, feel, sense it, 
that it's not real. The predominant mindset of those younger, there's a supernatural, there's a mystic. There's spiritual, but not religious. And so therefore, if we just use church as looking good, see ya. Definitely don't want to be ya. So do we show up? Do we show up begging God to do the impossible? Or do we just show up? Are we showed up or do we show up and we're moved by songs like, like God of the Impossible and our God because we are so desperately in need and so desperately want God to do something that looks like a miracle? Or are we just like, it's nice. So we have a miracle. Water to wine. The Southern Baptist's favorite miracle, right? And those of you that aren't Southern Baptists, and you're like, what does he mean? You're better off that way. Those of you with the Southern Baptist background are probably like, would you just talk about grape juice instead of wine? Well, you just, you just, you just do the filter in your mind. Whenever I say wine, just, you just tell yourself grape juice, and we'll all be happy, Okay. We're going to be in John chapter 2. And those of you maybe that struggle with, is this Jesus dude real? Did he really do these things? Are, are miracles real? Or are they just nice little stories to get you pumped up? I mean, first of all, first of all, first of all, if you're coming in here with the thought that these are nice little stories or trumped up stories or myths, guess what? I'm fine with you having that viewpoint. Jesus did these miracles in order to progress people's belief. And he engaged people that didn't think the supernatural was possible. He engaged them. And all he wanted to do in that time and today is meet you where you are and not keep you that way. That's why we at Crosspoint have a value of progression or progress. All we want you to do is, 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 is move forward. Move forward in your belief in Jesus. And he did miracles in order to move people's belief in him forward to grow that belief. Second of all, these miracles were written down by a guy who witnessed every single one of them. He wrote them down before he died in order to pass on these stories. And nobody questioned him. These are crazy things that if they were not true, somebody would go, hey, you're a big fat liar. You trumped these up. These didn't happen. But even the opponents of John couldn't say these didn't happen because many of them were there as well. John wrote the story of Jesus so that people can see what he did and then progress their belief in him. 
In John chapter 2, you can follow along on the screen or in a smartphone with the Bible app. And you can take notes in the Bible app and email your notes to yourself or to Evernote if you use Evernote. You can, you, can, you can Facebook and tweet from the Bible app. And we encourage you to do that. Things that stand out to you, things that God is telling you, things that God wants to do in your life. I want, I want you and we want you to share that so that other people can see that and want the same thing. John chapter 2, verse 1. The next day. Like, wait, the next day compared to what? The next day compared to what? The next day. That's nice. Well, what was the day before? It's obviously important. Well, this was the day after Jesus called his first disciples. So, Jesus called the disciples. Like, what do you start doing when you follow this guy that's starting to do miracles and starting to teach some interesting stuff and calling out these fishermen and these different guys and their brothers and these different guys? What do you do the first day that you start following this guy that says he's the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for? What do you do the first day? There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The first day after you're, you're invited to follow Jesus, he takes you to a wedding. And these wedding celebrations, they were seven days long. They were a whole week long. They make the best wedding celebration, the best wedding reception today look like child's play. I just imagine Peter's off in a corner just fuming. I follow this guy. He takes me to a wedding? A wedding reception? Aren't we supposed to be changing the world? Aren't we supposed to be doing something unique and awesome and different? And we're sitting here at a wedding? At a reception? Really? That's it? And you're only invited to a wedding if you know the people, right? Any wedding crashers here? You crash weddings, Taylor? You? Okay. Okay. All right. We're podcasting this, so that's probably better. Gideon. I... You're always up for a free meal, right? Yeah. You're invited to a wedding because you know the people. You don't get random wedding invitations in the mail. You're like, who are these people? So Jesus and his mother and the disciples all went, and some think that they were relatives of the people that, 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 that were in the wedding. And some think that maybe, maybe like Jesus and some of the disciples were kind of distant relatives and that's kind of why they knew each other and there's some familiarity there. And, and, uh, and maybe this was a, kind of a relative that, that kind of glued this entire group together. And they went to this wedding. First day after you start following Jesus, you go to a wedding. The wine supply ran out. During the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Any of you with a mother know this statement and know there's more behind the statement than the statement. And know that if you miss the statement behind the statement, you're in trouble for the statement you missed that was never really made. And Jesus, having an advantage over all the rest of us being God, Recognize the statement behind the statement. Dear woman. Now the translations say woman. And now you're fearful for Jesus' life. Because if you ever called your mom a woman, 
Even if you were God, you'd go meet him. That's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. And it just got awkward in here. I mean, imagine being the servants. We're going to see that there's servants around. Imagine being the servants. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. I mean, imagine being the servants. You're just like, oh, it just got awkward. I don't know if I want to do anything with this. You, you two need to work this out. Like, ah, Dr. Phil. And if you're like me, you've read the story and you've read the story and you've heard the story and you've heard the story preached or you've preached the story, but you still get to this point and you're going, this is awkward and confusing. I don't know what's going on here. Because it looks like Mary just painted Jesus in a corner. Right? Jesus, Jesus pushes back and like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. And Mary just goes, he's going to do something. You just do whatever he tells you. Like, I know, I know he's your son, but he's God. And as I was studying for this, an idea came across that I read, and it actually made all of this dialogue make more sense. And when I started looking at this interaction through this lens, it it made it make more sense. That Mary was using Jesus to make her look good. And that there's three possibilities here. That this is a relative or a friend of Mary and, and that she's going, hey, this is embarrassing for, for them. I mean, you run out of wine early. I mean, to a Southern Baptist, this would be like running out of wedding cake early. Because you're good, you don't have any wine, right? Uh. Running out of wedding cake before the reception's over, that's a problem. And Mary's like, hey, this is embarrassing for them. They're your friends, they're your relatives. Can you just do, can't you do them a favor? And because I'm your mother, that makes me look good, right? You've never used your kid to look good, have you? Or, 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 something this, that Mary was actually a part of the wedding, that she was like the, uh, what we would know as the hostess or, or, or the reception or, you know, the wedding planner. Now, this was embarrassing for her. She's like, 45 people didn't RSVP. Mm. Can't believe it. They drank all the wine. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know. This is embarrassing, Jesus. Can you help your dear old mom out? Make me look good? Or, and actually this is kind of the one that I like, and this is all speculation. We, we don't read, the, but it makes this make sense. It makes the whole interchange and the whole dialogue make sense. Mary's going, 30 years ago I had an angel tell me about this kid. How special he's going to be. And he's the one that we're waiting for. 30 years ago, the, the God of the impossible showed up in my life and said that the, the God of the impossible is in me. And I've seen glimpses of that. But for 30 years, 
Nothing. Nothing. And I hear the whispers. I hear my friends. I hear the words around town. They're whispering. He's just a carpenter's kid. There's nothing special about him. She's crazy. She's nuts. There's nothing special about him. Jesus, can't you prove to them in me who you are? Maybe she's like waning in her belief of I mean, 30 years ago, that's a long time ago, right? To get a promise and then wait. And that makes that, it's not my time yet, make a little more sense, doesn't it? And maybe Jesus is just saying, be patient. Dear woman, mom, be patient. You'll get to see what you long you to see. And actually, maybe what's going through Jesus' mind is that when you get to see it, I don't know you're going, that you're going to like it. It's not going to make you look that good. Right? Careful what you ask for. And we can use Jesus to make us look good. We show up to church. Because that's what people in the Bible Belt do, right? We show up to church and it makes us look good. Or we put a fish on our car. It makes us look good. Or we put a fish on our business side because it draws business to us because Christians will buy from other Christians. And we're moral and we're ethical. And we look good and we play a good game. But all we're doing is we're trying to paint Jesus into a corner in order to look good. In order to use Jesus simply to look good. That's not why Jesus came. He came for a completely different reason. And we know, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about the story, even if you don't know the story, and if you're not familiar with the story, we wouldn't be talking about the story if he didn't go ahead and do the miracle, right? He did the miracle, but he did it in a way that taught people something. Did it in a way to show who he is and what he wants to do in people's lives. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. And when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. When nobody cares anymore, that's when you bring out the mediocre wine. Joe Bob's wine, right? The video that we saw. But you have kept the best until now. 
And this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Okay, things were still all right, all right, with Jesus and his mom. They hung out together. Okay, things were still good. But what does Jesus want to do? What does Jesus want to show us? What is the story behind the story here? First, that he wants to transform lives. He wants to transform lives. He took ordinary jars, and he took ordinary water, and he just didn't make drinking water out of it. He made the best wine out of it. He wants to transform lives. A transformation occurred, and this is what he wants to do. This is why we do the thing that we do in order to make a transformation occur, in order to let God infuse your life and make a transformation occur. God has promised that he will send his Holy Spirit, who is God in spirit, into our lives. If God infuses our life with himself we cannot be the same a transformation occurred he made what was ordinary extraordinary has there been a transformation occur in your life has God gotten a hold of your life has God done something special and unique in your life has he done something you done anything or do we just show up to church transformation occurred and as Paul says later he wants to take the old man and change it into a brand new person that's what he wants to do has he done that for you has he done that in your life he wants to transform you. Completely different than looking good. But how exactly does he want to transform? It was no mistake that Jesus took the ceremonial washing jars that the Jews used. Whenever somebody had a party they would always have washing jars. So that when everybody walked in, they would wash their hands before they ate. And some of you just twitched because you heard your mother say that in your mind yet again when I said that, right? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Go wash your hands before dinner. But what they really did because God had told them to do this in the Old Testament, that this was part of their, their system, they really thought that washing their hands before dinner made them more spiritual. It was all about looking good on the outside. And in fact, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, got onto Jesus because Jesus didn't get onto his disciples for, 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 for not washing their hands before dinner. Not here, but in another episode, in another story. They're like, you didn't get onto your disciples for not washing their hands. And then Jesus went into this whole thing of saying, you know what? Food goes in your mouth and out your... It's my own version, but he really said that. Whatever goes in us isn't what makes us bad. It's our, what's already in us. And he's taking these ceremonial pots that, 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 that makes them 
look good, and he does a miracle with them. And he tells them to put water in it. Some of you have been to other countries where they say, don't drink the water. Even when you brush your teeth, use filtered water. They drink wine in their culture because they didn't have filtered water. So he took this dirty pot that people had already washed their hands in and put dirty water in it. I mean, this would be akin to you coming over to my house. I have a basin of water and say, everybody wash your hands as you come in the house. And everybody uses the same water, the same basin of water to wash their hands with. And then you catch me pouring that water into your drinking glass. You'd be like, bro, what are you doing? You'd have a serious issue with this. I mean, imagine being the servants. I just saw Jesus and his mom have a fight, and now he wants me to take this dirty water to the master of ceremonies in order for him to drink it? This is going to spit this in my face. This is going to be nasty. This is going to be dirty. This is not going to end well for me. What is he doing? But it becomes, this dirty water becomes pure wine. What he wants to do is Jesus wants to give us purity. A cleansing of our soul. Let me let us into this little, little, little secret here. It's not such a secret, but nobody wants to say it. There's a dirty old man inside every one of us. The only, the only, the only difference between us and somebody we see on the news. The ability, our ability to control the dirty old man. And all morality is, all looking good is, all showing up to church is, all that is, is controlling the dirty old man and suppressing the dirty old man that's inside of us. But Jesus said, I... I I know he's there. I know he's there. I know he's there. That's why he came out to hang out with people. That's why he came and hung at weddings. That's why he came and hung with tax collectors. That's why he came and hung with prostitutes. That's why he came and hung with sinners because he, know, he knows it's there inside of us. And that the temptation is, is just to suppress it, to, to put him, the dirty old man, so deep down inside that we can just ignore him. But he's still there. Until Jesus cleans house. Until Jesus cleans house. All purity is, is a cleansing. That's it. That dirtiness that we feel just needs to be cleansed. And we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried to clean it. But it just seems like every time we try to clean it, it ends up dirtier. And we end up more broken. We need somebody that can clean the part of us that we can't clean ourselves. 
dirty old man that keeps coming back. That's what Jesus is. He's the one that cleanses us and cleans house and gives us a purity that we couldn't give ourselves. And this is why we do what we do in order, in order to give other people this same purity, this same cleansing from the inside out. But what if I'm too bad? But even at that, even if he can cleanse me and cleanse all my past, I can't, I can't stay clean from here on out. I can't do that. What about that? What about that? How many jars were there? Six. Holding how many gallons? 20 to 30. Come on, math majors. Six times 20? 120, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Six times 30? 180, right? Right, right. Okay, so two days ago, I was wasting time. Uh, me and the older boys were at Target while the younger boys, Nicole, uh, had them at a, at a checkup. And, and so um, went down the wine aisle there at Target. And uh, so I asked Siri, I was like, Siri, how many ounces in a gallon? And she tells me, and I look up at the water. I'm not a wine connoisseur. Phil could have told me all this. Did I say that out loud? Anyway, uh, 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 I w so I looked up and looked at the bottle, and there are milliliters. I'm like, perfect. Can Siri tell me this? So I asked Siri, how many, how many milliliters in a gallon? And she told me. She's smart. She told me, well, how many milliliters were in a gallon? And so I started to do some math on my calculator, and I figured out that of, it seemed to be standard that they were 750 milliliters. And so uh, at a 750 milliliter bottle, 180 gallons is about 900 bottles. 900 bottles. So my plan going into this little exercise was to count bottles. And I, so that I could go, and this many, 180 gallons would be about this much of an aisle. And I looked up and I, I, I don't, I uh, know, it's just a bunch. <laughs> and at, 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 at Joe Bob's, mediocre wine at 10 bucks a bottle. I mean, we're talking $9,000 for bad wine. Mediocre, sorry, mediocre wine. I mean, a cool 10 grand just for wine. This was later on in the week. I mean, this is probably enough wine for every participant to get just completely hammered. God wants to give you purity and abundance. Purity and abundance. He wants to take all of your past and completely wipe it out. Completely wipe it out. No matter where, where it's been and how bad it's been, he's completely wiped out the past of murderers, prostitutes, swindlers, embezzlers, liars, cheaters. Completely wipe it out. But he gives abundance. 
He gives an abundance. All of that future, all of that I can't keep this up, he doesn't care about that because he gives purity and abundance for the future as well. He doesn't expect you to uphold and look good. He expects that he will give the abundance of purity into your life. Into your life. This is a miracle, right? That he can give an abundant purity so much so, so that it doesn't matter that if you keep coming to the tap of his purity, that he will give it to you no matter how much you need it because he knows you need it in 900 bottles full and even more than that. I mean, shoot, some of us probably didn't make it through this service at church without needing some purity. The place that we come to look good. In our heart, we know that something happened today that didn't, wouldn't have made us look good if I told about it. And God wants to give in abundance and purity. But not only that, He doesn't want to just clean, us, clean it out and start us over at zero. But remember what the head guy said. He brought the groom over. And as confused as the headmaster was, he brought the groom over and goes, Dude, most people bring out the mediocre wine second when nobody cares. But this is the good stuff. And the groom is probably going, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he talking about? Yeah. Right? He has no idea what's going on. God wants to give us purity and excellence. And excellence. He wants to give us so much purity that we actually live in purity, not just get cleansed. That our desire is to live in a cleanliness and a purity and not just be cleansed. That we don't show up to church to look good. That we show up to church and go, I want to live in purity. I want to know how Jesus wants me to live. Can you tell me? Can you show it to me? You come to the Bible and we, we pray in order to say to God, God, do something in my life. Because I can't do it myself. We show up to small group going, God, do something in my life. Because I can't do it myself. I want to live differently. I want to live differently. Can you do something in excellence in my life? Because I can't do that. I can't live this way. I can't keep this up. You're going to have to teach me. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do it. Because guess what? To live in purity looks crazy. Jesus was the purest person that ever lived on the face of this earth. And those that just wanted to look good told him, you're crazy. You're crazy. His purity doesn't look good always. It looks crazy. But you so are tired of the morning after that you don't care. You're so tired of the guilt feel. You're so tired of wondering, did I do it right? Did I do this right? You're so tired of cheating people. You're so tired. The dirty old man. 
you're willing to be crazy because, you know, crazy is clean. You don't have to worry about the morning after. And you don't have to worry about if I did it right. You don't have to worry about if I cheat somebody or if I lied to somebody. And if I told him this lie, then I've got to figure this out. And Purity is a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle greater than water to wine. Because water to wine is physical. We can touch it. We all could go out and make wine if we wanted to. Just because Jesus sped up the process, it's still physical. It's fascinating. It's amazing. It's physical. Purity is spiritual. Purity is touching our soul in such a way that we can't describe it or we can't explain it. When our buddies come up and go, why aren't you anymore? Whatever that blank is. Why aren't you doing anymore? And there's, a, there's a purity inside of me that I didn't do. And I feel clean for the first time ever. Jesus was tapping into something from the Old Testament. God gave Isaiah a vision of this happening. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Ten grand of wine. At least ten grand of wine. Jesus did for free. Come, take your choice of wine. Or milk, which milk was a delicacy then too. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? There's something deeper at work here. There's a story behind the story. There's something going on. There's a purity. There's a life. There's, there's a food. There's a wine. There's a drink. There's something that is greater than something we can put in our mouth and satisfy our tummies. Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You enjoy the finest food. How do I get that wine? How do I get that food? How do I get that purity? Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while, while He was near. The phrase that we use here is hear and follow. Call out to Him. Hear Him. Seek Him. Hear Him and follow Him. Let the wicked... Let the dirty old man change his ways, change her ways, and banish the very thought of doing wrong. That sounds like a transformation, doesn't it? Let them turn to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. That sounds like abundance and excellence, doesn't it? I mean, this is the Old Testament. This is supposed to be the lighting boat God, right, from the Old Testament. No, this is the loving, merciful, forgiving God that always has been. And he's utilizing the same language. And actually, Jesus is just tapping into the same language. My thoughts are nothing like th your thoughts. This is going to be crazy, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. This is crazy. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, this is crazy. So my ways are higher than your ways. This is crazy. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is crazy. My ideas are crazy to humans. My purity is crazy to humans. 
But it's better. But it's better. But it's better. What does God want to do? He wants to transform your life. Transform it into an abundant, excellent purity. Transform your life into an abundantly excellent purity. That's what he wants to do. And we need, we need physical miracles around here. Financially, February, February was a tough month. We need a miracle of getting more space. I know today we're down, but we need a miracle of getting more space. We need a miracle of impacting a people who don't know Jesus. We need a miracle in that. But you know what all that's for? The miracle of purity. The miracle of impacting people, the miracle of transforming people, the miracle of, 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 of people flowing and streaming to a purity that is beyond anything we can ever ask or imagine. We need several miracles around here. Do we want to see the God of the impossible or do we want to show up to church? if we just want to show up to church, we might as well close the doors now because we'll end up doing that someday. We're not big enough for that. We're not. Once we be, get bigger, we can do church and pay the bills and keep going. We can. And that's the threat when we get bigger. But do we want the God of the impossible? To do the impossible physically so that he can do the impossible spiritually with people. Is that what we want? Which is Which is The question is, do you want purity? Do you want a heart that's pure? clean before God? Is this what he's offered? See, the servants, they thought it was crazy. They had to. But they followed anyway, right? They saw a miracle happen. Do you want a miracle of purity in your life? in the people's lives around you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing in hearts. My fear is, is that people are going to be like, that's nice. That's great. Yeah, purity, that sounds nice. But we go on our merry little lives. Let us be so discontent with our merry little lives that we want something different. Let me be so discontent. Let us be so discontent that we've got to have something different. We've got to have the God of the impossible show up. 
Lord, show up in people's lives this morning to put a desire for purity. I, I, can't, I can't put a desire for purity in us, but you can. And the faith to hear and follow, even though it would be crazy. Help us to not just try and look good. But we just want you to cleanse us. And use this to send us out to cleanse on other people. your name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.